simply Dreams Are Possible, because that is the title for this whole service, that dreams are possible. Now, what's implied in this title that dreams are possible is that some of us actually lose hope and faith. We actually lose hope and faith because we believe dreams are no longer possible. And so we need to be reminded, no dreams are possible. I want us to go ahead here and look at Luke chapter 1, verse 37. The Bible reads, for nothing is impossible with God. Nothing. How much does that apply to? Everything. Nothing is impossible with God. For nothing is impossible with God. So I ask you then, what are some of your dreams? What are some of the dreams that you have? You know, I want to go ahead and share some of my childhood dreams that I had. You know, in fifth grade, we had a graduation. And so... They asked us before the day of the graduation, write down everything that you want to do and, and become in life. So you had, you know, Johnny Smith go up there and say, I want to be a police officer. Little Susie came up, I want to be a doctor. Jerry came up, I want to be a dentist. And then Marcel Hall got up there and said, I want to be a rapper until I'm 20. <laughs> After that... I want to go play baseball, football, and basketball in college. After that, I want to play professionally baseball, football, and basketball. Then after that, I want to go ahead and become a movie star. After my acting career is over, it's not done. But I want to go ahead and have my own show called The Marcel Hall Show. Because that's when Arsenio was around. And I used to, you know, try to stay up late and watch the Arsenio Hall show. And I said, hey, Hall, Hall, I'm a Hall. It only makes sense that I continue the legacy. Those were my childhood dreams. I'm sure you guys had childhood dreams as well. But many times with our childhood dreams, what happens? We start to lose hope in them. They become a distant memory. They're no longer really a chance at reality, but they're just a distant memory. Childhood dream. We lose faith, don't we? That we can actually achieve greatness. That we can become all that we want it to be. We lose that faith and that hope. And you know what? We do that spiritually as well. We lose hope and faith in God sometimes. We have some hard times. Or, or, or life just happens. And all those dreams we had when we were young spiritually start to fade. Maybe we feel like we messed up and we start to lose hope. We had dreams of our family becoming disciples. But time has went by and they have yet to become a disciple. Our spouse of becoming a Christian. Our parents becoming a Christian. Doing well in school, having an impact. One day getting married. Going out and reaching out the masses with the good news of Jesus. We lose faith and hope. But I'm here to say that dreams are possible. And I believe that dreams are possible. In fact, point number one is believe that God's dreams are possible. You notice I said God's dreams 
or possible. What do I mean by that? You see, we, we can talk about dreams being possible, but we start to get it confused with our dreams and what God's dreams are. Turn with me over to James chapter 4. You with me? All right, now, don't be quiet on me. James chapter 4. Let's go ahead and read. Give me an amen when you get there. James chapter 4. We'll start off in verse 2. It says, you want something, but don't get it. You kill and covet, but you cannot have what you want. You quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. When you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You see, with this idea of dreams are possible, I don't want anybody to walk away confused thinking, okay, God just wants me to become rich. God just all my dreams are that new Mercedes, the new Lexus, the new 60-inch 3D TV. That's not what we're saying when we're saying that dreams are possible or to believe that God's dreams are possible. Turn with me over to Acts chapter 2. I want to highlight this point a little bit here, okay? Acts chapter 2. Many of us are familiar with this passage. This is the first gospel message preached. This is the first sermon preached after Jesus had died and resurrected. He gives the Holy Spirit to Peter and the apostles. Peter starts to preach, and he goes ahead and he quotes an Old Testament scripture, a prophecy. And in Acts chapter 2, verse 17, you there? We'll go ahead and read. It says, in the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. I will show wonders in the heaven above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. You see, what happens, and we'll read this passage and go, wow, this sounds amazing, this is great. Now he says, look, young men will, will have visions, older men will have dreams, but he says, I will put my spirit on them. Did you, did you catch that? He says, I will put my spirit, and then these things will happen. The dreams, the visions, the great day of the Lord coming. You see, it is God putting his dream, his vision upon his people so that those dreams can become reality. It wasn't just God saying, hey, I'm just I'm just a genie. OK, I, I, I'm just a bottle. I'm a genie in a bottle. Uh, or, or, you know, what was that Aladdin? I'm not I'm not the Aladdin, uh, the, you know, the movie Aladdin. I'm not the big genie in there. They says, hey, whatever you have, three wishes, I'll give you. That's not what God's about. God's not an ATM. We don't just go to God and say, here, let me check in so I can receive. I want my dreams to come true. No, God is saying, get with me and I'll put my dreams upon your hearts. Then there's no stopping them. Nothing is impossible with God. I want us to look, staying over in the book book of Acts, we're going to turn on over to Acts chapter 8. We want to see an example that God's dreams are possible. So we're going to read in the book of Acts 
about the Ethiopian eunuch. And it, to me, it only made sense is the Black History Service. They read about some black people in the Bible. I mean, am I wrong? Is that wrong for doing that? And the Ethiopian eunuch, I feel, I feel a connection with the Ethiopian eunuch. Because every time I get around some Ethiopians, they think I'm Ethiopian. I go somewhere, they're like, you Ethiopian? I'm like, nah. You sure? I'm like, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure. You positive? Like, yeah, yeah, I'm pretty positive. I remember a guy even giving me a free pass. You know, I went to this place, you had to pay for parking. And I was like, oh, man. You know, he said, man, I just trust that you're Ethiopian. Go on ahead. I said, well, amen. I'll be Ethiopian for the day. <laughs> Acts chapter 8, you there? We'll go ahead and read in verse 26. It says, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in the charge of all the treasure of Candace, queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah the prophet. Do you, do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. The eunuch was reading this passage of scripture. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter and as a lamb before the shearer is silent. So he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who was the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water and the eunuch said, look, here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water and Philip baptized him. When it came up out of the water, the spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. You know, to understand this story a little bit more, we have to understand the context and understand about the Ethiopian eunuch. The Bible says he was an important official. He was. He was in charge of the queen's money. Now, think about that. Who do you want to be in charge of your money? Some slacker? Person who was getting D's in school? Someone who's not trustworthy? No, you want somebody who's impressive. You want somebody who you're like, wow, that person needs to be in charge of my money. And this was a rich country. And so to be in charge of the royal family's money, I means this guy was important. He was impressive. So when they say he was an important official, that's almost like an understatement. He was vital for the country. But he was also a eunuch. Some are saying, well, what's a eunuch? Well, a eunuch is, some, is a man who was castrated, meaning his manhood was taken from him. Now, we know that he's coming back from Jerusalem as he went to worship. So he believed in God. He was a worshiper of God. But yet he didn't know Jesus. So you have this important official, impressive man, but yet he was castrated. He was a eunuch. So you can imagine 
the conflict that was going on. Just imagine his prayers. If you're the Ethiopian eunuch, imagine what his dreams were like. Just the hope, please, God, help me be a man again. Help me, God, be whole. I want to have a family. I want to leave a legacy. God, I want to do something and just be the queen's treasurer. You know, we don't know all that he dreamed of. But one thing we know is he definitely had a desire to please God. He took this long trip to go to Jerusalem just to worship his God. And we see God gives him hope through the good news of Jesus. Amen. He hears about this Jesus, the suffering servant, the Messiah who came and died for his sins, resurrected again so he can have a new life and eternal relationship with God the Father. He would no longer be just a worshiper, but a son of God himself. He would no longer be a servant to the royal family, but royalty himself. All that and then some in this lifetime and in eternity. We see God gives them hope. And, you know, it says there that he was reading, they quote what he was reading in the book of Isaiah. And that was Isaiah 53. They were reading But I just want you to imagine, what if they kept on reading to Isaiah 56? Turn on over to Isaiah 56. You still with me, church? Isaiah 56. A couple things here we also have to know about the eunuchs in back in those days. In Israel, a eunuch could not even enter the assembly of God, nor could they have a memorial or even pass down their name, because there was no chance at them having kids. And so we see here, In Isaiah chapter 56, verse 1, just imagine, okay, they read about Isaiah 53 and Jesus, and it says he began there. So it doesn't mean he stopped at that passage, but just imagine if they kept going to Isaiah 56. Or as he kept going on the road, he continued to read the scroll of Isaiah, and he came to this passage. Imagine what he felt as he read it. It says in verse 1, this is what the Lord says. Maintain justice and do what is right, for my salvation is close at hand. And my righteousness will soon be revealed. Blessed is the man who does this, the man who holds it fast, who keeps the Sabbath without desecrating it and keeps his hand from doing any evil. Let no foreigner who has bound himself to the Lord say, the Lord will surely exclude me from his people. Now check this out. And let not any eunuch complain. I am only a tree. For this is what the Lord says to the eunuchs who keep my Sabbaths, who choose what pleases me and hold fast to my covenant. To them I will give within my temple and its walls a memorial and a name better than sons and daughters. I will give them an everlasting name that would not be cut off. And foreigners who bind themselves to the Lord to serve him, to love the name of the Lord and to worship him, all who keep the Sabbath without desecrating it and who hold fast to my covenant, these I will bring to my holy mountain and give them joy in my house of prayer. Their burnt offerings and sacrifices will be accepted on my altar, for my house will be called a house of prayer for all nations. Imagine what the eunuch felt as he read this his whole life he's had this duality going on 
saying, okay, I have this great privilege job, but yet I, I don't feel complete. And he comes across this passage where God says, there are dreams that are waiting for you. I have plans for you. There's more in this lifetime and in the lifetime to come. Imagine the hope that he felt. Imagine as he read this, thinking, wow, this applies to me. I can see tears coming down his cheeks, swelling up with hope and joy, inspiration, believing that God's dreams are possible. Church tradition is that the eunuch went on from that day and started the Ethiopian church. I believe that to be true. I believe as he came back, he said, look, guys, there's a guy named Jesus. You need to know him. Because he realized that, wow, my dreams can come true with the Almighty Father. Dreams are possible with God. Not just our dreams, but his dreams for us. You see, you and I need to believe this. We need to trust that the almighty God who made sun, moon, stars, gravity, and photosynthesis has dreams for you and can make them come to reality. We need to trust this so that we can see God do miracles in our lives and also have the sacred privilege of participating with him in these great miracles. You know, it's one thing to see God do some great things. But it's another to actually participate with him in these miracles. You know, my friend Reese Nealon says, you know, it's the mysterious partnership that we have with God. We don't know why God allows us to partner with him, but he does. But in order for these miracles to take place, we have to trust that dreams are possible with God. That his dreams are possible. We'll grow in our faith. When we believe this, we'll have an impact on our neighbors, our friends at school, our friends at work, our family members. When we believe that God's dreams are possible. I believe that God has a story for each one of us, like the Ethiopian eunuch. Whether you're you're that impressive man or woman who's in charge of great things or great responsibilities. Or you're that person with that troubled past. You see, the Ethiopian eunuch didn't realize what was going to happen on that trip to Jerusalem that day. He didn't realize on his way back his whole life would be changed. No longer again would he have a great role here on earth, but he'd have a great role in the kingdom of God. He didn't know that his past and all the pain and suffering and maybe humiliation and insecurity that he had from his past can all be transformed by knowing the Son of God. Can you relate to the Ethiopian eunuch? You see, God has dreams for us. I have to share a little bit. You know, I grew up in Anaheim, that's Orange County, so a lot of people think, oh, that's the Orange Curtain. This man must have come from some money. Went to USC. No, I didn't have any money. I got scholarship money. I want to give you a brief rundown of my, my family background. It, it's, it's sad, but, but it, it's, it's true. My grandfather on my dad's side was murdered in a drug deal. 
I have five brothers, and none of us have the same mom and dad with me. My uncle died at the age of 17 after he tried to rob a grocery store, a liquor store. They got killed by the cops. Another uncle of mine died on an overdose. I have six close siblings and relatives that either are in prison or have served several times, several prison sentences. Brothers, cousins. My family and friends growing up were all gang members or, 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 or involved in drugs. And so what did I do? I got right involved with that. I started doing drugs, selling drugs, got jumped into a gang. That was my life's ambition. That was my passion. I wanted to sleep with as many girls as possible. And that was the path I was going on. You see, my family tree, this is where we're going. I choose that. It looks like I'm going straight down the road of being another statistic. But God's dreams are possible. God's dreams are possible. By his mercy and grace, he saved me. I was able to go to USC, be the first person in my, in my family to go to college. I went to USC and graduated cum laude. That means honors. My mom, she was, she was so happy. She'd never been early to anything in her life except for the day I graduated. She's like, boy, I'm going to be first in line. And she was. But now, because of the grace of God, I can be one of the first ones in my family to, to be married and stay married. Have a godly marriage. We're expecting our first child to be able to raise that child in a godly household. And hopefully in a few weeks here, we're going to actually be closing escrow on our first home. This is because of God. This isn't because of me. But it's because God's dreams are possible. Because God intervened and changed the course of my life and my family tree. But you see, in order for these dreams to come true, there's something that we have to do. Not only do we have to trust that these dreams are possible, but we also have to obey God. We must obey God. Turn back over to Acts chapter 8. We're not done with the Ethiopian eunuch. Acts chapter 8. You still with me? All right, now. I told you, don't get quiet on me. Acts chapter 8. We must obey God to see these dreams come true. Acts chapter 8. We'll read again in verse 35. It says, then Philip began with that very passage of Scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look here is water. Why shouldn't I be baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When it came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away, and the eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Okay, what happened here? You see, the eunuch heard the good news about Jesus, but he had to act. He had to obey the call to see these dreams become reality. And you and I must have the same response as the eunuch. We must obey God. Obey his commands, obey his call, obey his direction. You know, we read Isaiah 56. I mean, that's such an uplifting passage. But I don't know if you caught it, but it said, hey, to those who are following, 
to those who are obeying, these dreams will come true. You see, in order for dreams to be reality, obedience is necessary. It's not optional. It is absolutely mandatory. We want to see God bless us. We want to see God use us. But we don't want to obey his commands fully. You know, that's kind of like somebody say, you know, I want to get buff. I want to get swole. You know what I mean? But I don't want to lift any weights. I don't want to do any push-ups or any sit-ups. Well, how does that make sense? Or, hey, you know what? I'm going to go and I'm going to get good grades in school this year. But I'm not going to study. I mean, that's what we do spiritually. We say, okay, God, I want my family, I want my neighbors to become disciples. But we're not good examples. We want to get out of debt, but we don't ask for help. We want our marriage to change and to transform. We want to raise our kids to become disciples, but we don't accept godly advice. We want to stop living that double life at school, but we don't open up about what's really going on. We want to do all these great things, we want to, but we don't obey the scriptures fully. Turn on over to Jeremiah chapter 29. People love this passage and it's true. I'll go ahead and read it. It's actually on the screen. It says, For I know the plans I have for you, declares the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, plans to give you hope in the future. Then you will call upon me and come and pray to me, and I will listen to you. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all your hearts. Did you see that? He says, look, I got all these great things planned, but you got to seek me with all your hearts. That means obedience. Not part-time, but full-time. In fact, turn on over to 1 Samuel chapter 15. 1 Samuel chapter 15. We're going to go ahead and read here. Again, we must obey God. Give me an amen when you get there. 1 Samuel chapter 15. The Bible reads... Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the voice of the Lord? To obey is better than sacrifice, and to heed is better than the fat of rams. What is he saying? Obedience to God is how we see the miracle take place in our lives. We can have the greatest worship of all time, but if we walk away and we don't obey the commands, we will see nothing happen. You see, we have to believe and trust that we, that we serve a mighty and good God. But our responsibility in all of this is to obey his commands, his call, his direction. Hebrews chapter 11, we won't turn there, but many have coined that chapter as the hall of faith. Because it talks about all these great men and women that had such great faith and did such great things. They saw God do great miracles. But every time it says, by faith, they did something. What does that mean? By faith, they believed in a great God, but they obeyed that great God as well. Again, I believe the Ethiopian eunuch trusted and believed in Matthew 28, where it said, go and make disciples of all nations. And I believe he went out and evangelized Ethiopia the best he could. You know, God is a good God. He's a good, merciful, powerful, 
and loving God. Psalm 18.25 says, To the faithful, you show yourself faithful. I truly believe that is true. I've experienced that in my life where God has been faithful. And I just want to share, you know, when I was in college, my dreams had changed. I didn't have these childhood dreams of being a rapper anymore and all that stuff. But my dreams became, okay, I'm going to be on ESPN. I studied broadcast journalism. And I'm going to be on ESPN. I'm, I'm, going to, I'm going to be a star on ESPN. And then I'm going to go and I'm going to start businesses. And I'm going, to pe- I'm going to compete with the AOLs out there and the Microsofts. And I'm going to start this huge, grand black enterprise. Because I was a brother, so I wanted to start a black enterprise. And that was my dream at that time. But then I became a Christian. And my dreams shifted. Instead of wanting to become the leader of the rise of black people, I wanted to be a leader in God's kingdom. I wanted to lead people to heaven. I wanted to lead people to the creator of the universe. And by his great mercy, he allowed me to go into the ministry full time and be able to lead teenagers to God. We have a slogan in the ministry I lead. It said, we're about to save the youth of America. Because that's what we're trying to do. We're seeing God's dreams become reality. But after I became a Christian in 2001, my number one prayer was to see my mom become a disciple. I saw my mom work three jobs when I was growing up. There was times where I'd come home and she was never there. Or when I came home, she was working or about to go and work. And we had, I had a, a baby brother who was 13 years younger than me. So I ended up kind of, you know, helping raise him and being the male figure in his life. But my number one prayer was, God, please, please help my mom become a true Christian. Because we had went to church, but we weren't true Christians. And so for seven years, day after day after day, I prayed for my mom to be converted. It was hard. She would come out to church on and off for seven years. She studied the Bible on and off for seven years. We would have arguments sometimes because I was just so frustrated. I just wanted her to become a disciple so bad that I I would just get frustrated. We'd get in an argument. I'd have to leave the house, and I'd go, and I'd cry out and pray. I remember praying prayers where I'd say, God, I love my mom so much. I just wanted to become a Christian so bad. Exchange my salvation for hers. I'll do that. If it means she'll get saved then I'll sacrifice my own salvation. But then in the spring of 2008, my mom became a Christian. She got baptized. I want to show you a little, I want to show you a picture. That's me and my mom's right there. You see, we rock in the USC. We're big fans. Anybody think about going to college there, please talk to me afterwards. But then after that, the next prayer was, man, I got to see more of my family become disciples. I kept believing, God, you can do this. God, you can convert my younger brother, who I helped raise, who I've been a father. Then on February 28th of last year, my little brother Dion became my brother in Christ. And this is his baptism right here as well. Is it on there? There we go. That's him jumping up right there. And I believe that God's dreams are possible. God's dreams are possible. But we must obey 
God. We must obey God. What are your dreams? What are the dreams that God has put upon your heart today? Brothers and sisters, I want to encourage you and inspire you to believe in an awesome God. To believe that his dreams for your life not only are possible, but they're at the door. They want to, they are about to happen when we obey God. I even have to share briefly here. You know, remember I said all that stuff about being a rapper till I was 20? You know, God is cool. He, he just loves me so much. Because really, the, a lot of those dreams became true. I stopped rapping when I was about 20 years old. I used to freestyle, in the, in the, you know, with my friends. And I was okay. I'm not any good anymore. But I, I stopped rapping. I went to school and I played baseball, football, basketball. Not for USC, but I played. And then I ended up working in sports radio, sports talk radio. And I covered professional baseball, football, and basketball. Went to events, interviewed Kobe Bryant and many others, and did all these things. I'm like, wow, God, you did bless those dreams. At USC, I was actually in a, a student film. So I did become a movie actor. And then, like I said, I worked in radio, and I was a producer and talked on the show all the time. So in essence, I did have my Marcel Hall show. Believe that God's dreams are true, are possible. But we have to obey God. Let's close out where we began in Luke chapter 1. Luke chapter 1. I pray that this has encouraged your heart so that you may believe in a big God. I know that you guys have been talking about faith here in the region here. And it is true when we have faith in a mighty God, our dreams can become reality. Luke chapter 1, verse 37, we read, For nothing is impossible with God. I believe dreams are possible. Amen. We can leave someone out. God's dream. What's God's dream for your life? You can have your dreams, but when you were born, the day you were born, God had a dream for you. And it supersedes any and all dreams you could possibly have. God's dream for your life is that you would be his son, that you would be his daughter, and that you could spend eternity with him in heaven. See, because we, this time that we have on earth to do all these other things is very short. But our eternity is hanging in the balance. I want to encourage you today to think about God's dream. If you're visiting here with us today, I want to encourage you to make the decision to turn your life over to God. And it's not just an emotional thing that you raise your hand and I, I decide to turn my life. No, it's a practical thing where you need to study the Bible to find out specifically, practically, how do I do that? What kind of life does God expect of me and His Word right here? And we can do those Bible studies with you. We have a series of seven Bible studies that we do with people to orient them, to direct them, all from God's Word. We give them the notes. We say, here, go over these Scriptures. Chew on them. Make sure they're from God's Word, that they're not our opinion, they're not our ideas from our church. They're God's Word. 
This is the most important dream you will ever fulfill in your life. God's dream. And many of you today, you know you're not living that dream. It's time to live in reality. And it's time to get right with God. So that everything else can work out in your life. God wants you to fulfill your dreams. But He knows there's a priority, there's an order to things happening the right way. Doing it His way. You know, and God has another dream today that I want to talk about. And it has to do with our celebration today. We're celebrating black history. In about a month or so, we're going to have an Asian jubilee. And we're going to celebrate the heritage of the Asian people. You know, and then later in May, we're going to celebrate a Hispanic. Una fiesta bien buena. And we're going to celebrate the Latin heritage. And some of the white people go, well, what about the white people's service? We celebrate. But you know, uh, I grew up uh, in a very small town in the southeast. And I was one of the very few Latin people in that, in that city. And the city was heavily divided, black and white. And as I was a young man, I was trying to find in the late 60s, trying to find my place. So who am I? So I would try to hang out with white kids and reject it. And I remember a very good friend of mine in school, Donnie Price, African-American family, and tried to hang out with him. And we were great friends, but I went to his home, and he lived in a predominantly black neighborhood. And I was not accepted. And the pain that I felt is what the pain that God feels with separation. In our church, we believe in bringing people together. And we celebrate, we celebrate. We we celebrate our diversity. Look around. So much diversity. This is God's dream. He celebrates the difference, not divide the difference, but celebrate to embrace and love each other and say, yes, you are my brother of a different mother, but the same father. We're bonded by our love for God. Today is a day that we celebrate our diversity. And we always need to do that where you can feel welcome. If you're visiting here with us, I want you to feel welcome and to become a member of our family. And uh, we need everybody. 